chapter eight of the fathers of the constitution by max ferrand this librivox recording is in the public domain the union established the course of english history shows that anglo-saxon tradition is strongly in favour of observing precedents and of trying to maintain at least the form of law even in revolutions when the english people found it impossible to bear with james the second and made it so uncomfortable for him that he fled the country they shifted the responsibility from their own shoulders by charging him with breaking the original contract between king and people when the thirteen colonies had reached the point where they felt that they must separate from england their spokesman thomas jefferson found the necessary justification in the fundamental compact of the first settlers in the wilds of america where the emigrants thought proper to adopt that system of laws under which they had hitherto lived in the mother country and in the declaration of independence he charged the king of great britain with repeated injuries and usurpations all having indirect object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states and so it was with the change to the new form of government in the united states which was accomplished only by disregarding the forms prescribed in the articles of confederation and has been called therefore the revolution of seventeen eighty nine from the outset the new constitution was placed under the sanction of the old the movement began with an attempt outwardly at least to revise the articles of confederation and in that form was authorized by congress the first breach with the past was made when the proposal in the virginia resolutions was accepted that amendments made by the convention in the articles of confederation should be submitted to assemblies chosen by the people instead of to the legislatures of the separate states this was the more readily accepted because it was believed that ratification by the legislatures would result in the formation of a treaty rather than in a working instrument of government the next step was to prevent the work of the convention from meeting the fate of all previous amendments to the articles of confederation which had required the consent of every state in the union at the time the committee of detail made its report the convention was ready to agree that the consent of all the states was not necessary and it eventually decided that when ratified by the conventions of nine states the constitution should go into effect between the states so ratifying it was not within the province of the convention to determine what the course of procedure should be in the individual states so it simply transmitted the constitution to congress and in an accompanying document which significantly omitted any request for the approval of congress strongly expressed the opinion that the constitution should be submitted to a convention of delegates chosen in each state by the people thereof this was nothing less than indirect ratification by the people and since it was impossible to foretell in advance which of the states would or would not ratify the original draft of we the people of the states of new hampshire massachusetts rhode island was changed to the phrase we the people of the united states no man of that day could imagine how significant this change would appear in the light of later history congress did not receive the new constitution enthusiastically yet after a few days discussion it unanimously voted eleven states being present that the recommendations of the convention should be followed and accordingly sent the document to the states but without a word 
of approval or disapproval on the whole the document was well received especially as it was favoured by the upper class who had the ability and the opportunity for expression and were in a position to make themselves heard for a time it looked as if the constitution would be readily adopted the contest over the constitution in the states is usually taken as marking the beginning of the two great national political parties in the united states this was indeed in a way the first great national question that could cause such a division there had been to be sure whigs and tories in america reproducing british parties but when the trouble with the mother country began the successive congresses of delegates were recognized and attended only by the so-called american whigs and after the declaration of independence the name of tory became a reproach so that with the end of the war the tory party disappeared after the revolution there were local parties in the various states divided on one and another question such as that of hard and soft money and these issues had coincided in different states but they were in no sense national parties with organizations platforms and leaders they were purely local and the followers of one or the other would have denied that they were anything else than whigs but a new issue was now raised the whig party split in two new leaders appeared and the elements gathered into main divisions the federalists advocating and the anti-federalists opposing the adoption of the new constitution there were differences of opinion over all the questions which had led to the calling of the federal convention and the framing of the constitution and so there was inevitably a division upon the result of the convention's work there were those who wanted national authority for the suppression of disorder and of what threatened to be anarchy throughout the union and on the other hand there were those who opposed a strongly organized government through fear of its destroying liberty especially debtors and creditors took opposite sides and most of the people in the united states could have been brought under one or the other category the former favored a system of government and legislation which would tend to relieve or postpone the payment of debts and as that relief would come more readily from the state governments they were naturally the friends of state rights and state authority and were opposed to any enlargement of the powers of the federal government on the other hand were those who felt the necessity of preserving inviolate every private and public obligation and who saw that the separate power of the states could not accomplish what was necessary to sustain both public and private credit they were disposed to use the resources of the union and accordingly to favor the strengthening of the national government in nearly every state there was a struggle between these classes in philadelphia and the neighborhood there was great enthusiasm for the new constitution almost simultaneously with the action by congress and before notification of it had been received a motion was introduced in the pennsylvania assembly to call a ratifying convention the anti-federalists were surprised by the suddenness of this proposal and to prevent action absented themselves from the session of the assembly leaving that body too short of the necessary quorum for the transaction of business the excitement and indignation in the city were so great that early the next morning a crowd gathered dragged two of the absentees from their lodgings to the state house and held them firmly in their places until the roll was called and a quorum counted when the house proceeded to order a state convention as soon as the news of this vote got out the city gave itself up to celebrating the event by the suspension of business the ringing of church bells and other demonstrations the elections were hotly contested but the federalists were generally successful the convention met towards the end of november and after three weeks of futile discussion mainly upon trivial matters and the meaning of words ratified the constitution on the twelfth of december by a vote of forty-six to twenty-three 
again the city of philadelphia celebrated pennsylvania was the first state to call a convention but its final action was anticipated by delaware where the state convention met and ratified the constitution by unanimous vote on the seventh of december the new jersey convention spent only a week in discussion and then voted also unanimously for ratification on the eighteenth of december the next state to ratify was georgia where the constitution was approved without a dissenting vote on january two seventeen eighty eight connecticut followed immediately and after a session of only five days declared itself in favor of the constitution on the ninth of january by a vote of over three to one the results of the campaign for ratification thus far were most gratifying to the federalists but the issue was not decided with the exception of pennsylvania the states which had acted were of lesser importance and until massachusetts new york and virginia should declare themselves the outcome would be in doubt the convention of massachusetts met on the same day that the connecticut convention adjourned the sentiment of boston like that of philadelphia was strongly federalist but the outlying districts and in particular the western part of the state where shays rebellion had broken out were to be counted in the opposition there were three hundred and fifty five delegates who took part in the massachusetts convention a larger number than was chosen in any of the other states and the majority seemed to be opposed to ratification the division was close however and it was believed that the attitude of two men would determine the result one of these was governor john hancock who was chosen chairman of the convention but who did not attend the sessions at the outset as he was confined to his house by an attack of gout which it was maliciously said would disappear as soon as it was known which way the majority of the convention would vote the other was samuel adams a genuine friend of liberty who was opposed on principle to the general theory of the government set forth in the constitution i stumble at the threshold he wrote i meet with a national government instead of a federal union of sovereign states but being a shrewd politician adams did not commit himself openly and when the tradesmen of boston declared themselves in favor of ratification he was ready to yield his personal opinion there were many delegates in the massachusetts convention who felt that it was better to amend the document before them than to try another federal convention when as good an instrument might not be devised if this group were added to those who were ready to accept the constitution as it stood they would make a majority in favor of the new government but the delay involved in amending was regarded as dangerous and it was argued that as the constitution made ample provision for changes it would be safer and wiser to rely upon that method the question was one therefore of immediate or future amendment pressure was accordingly brought to bear upon governor hancock and intimations were made to him of future political preferment until he was persuaded to propose immediate ratification of the constitution with an urgent recommendation of such amendments as would remove the objections of the massachusetts people when this proposal was approved by adams its success was assured and a few days later on the sixth of february the convention voted one hundred and eighty seven to one hundred and sixty eight in favor of ratification nine amendments largely in the nature of a bill of rights were then demanded and the massachusetts representatives in congress were enjoined at all times to exert all their influence and use all reasonable and legal methods to obtain a ratification of the said alterations and provisions on the very day this action was taken jefferson wrote from paris to madison i wish with all my soul that the nine first conventions may accept the new constitution to secure to us the good it contains but i equally wish that the four latest whichever they may be may refuse to accede to it till a declaration of rights be annexed boston proceeded to celebrate as philadelphia and benjamin lincoln wrote to washington on the ninth of february enclosing an extract from the local paper describing the event 
by the paper your excellency will observe some account of the parade of the eighth the printer had by no means time enough to do justice to the subject to give you some idea how far he has been deficient i will mention another observation i heard made by a lady the last evening who saw the whole that the description in the paper would no more compare with the original than the light of the faintest star would with that of the sun fortunately for us the whole ended without the least disorder and the town during the whole evening was so far as i could observe perfectly quiet he added another paragraph which he later struck out as being of little importance but it throws an interesting side-light upon the customs of the time the gentleman provided at funeral hall some biscuit and cheese four quart casks of wine three barrels and two hogs of punch the moment they found that the people had drank sufficiently means were taken to overset the two hogs punch this being done the company dispersed and the day ended most agreeably maryland came next when the federal convention was breaking up luther martin was speaking of the new system of government to his colleague daniel of st thomas jennifer and exclaimed i'll be hanged if ever the people of maryland agree to it to which his colleague retorted i advise you to stay in philadelphia lest you should be hanged and jennifer proved to be right for in maryland the federalists obtained control of the convention and by a vote of sixty-three to eleven ratified the constitution on the twenty-sixth of april in south carolina which was the southern state next in importance to virginia the compromise on the slave trade proved to be one of the deciding factors in determining public opinion when the elections were held they resulted in an overwhelming majority for the federalists so that after a session of less than two weeks the convention ratified the constitution on the twenty eighth of may by a vote of over two to one the only apparent setback which the adoption of the constitution had thus far received was in new hampshire where the convention met early in february and then adjourned until june to see what the other states might do but this delay proved to be of no consequence for when the time came for the second meeting of the new hampshire delegates eight states had already acted favorably and adoption was regarded as a certainty this was sufficient to put a stop to any further waiting and new hampshire added its name to the list on the twenty first of june but the division of opinion was fairly well represented by the smallness of the majority the vote standing fifty seven to forty six nine states had now ratified the constitution and it was to go into effect among them but the support of virginia and new york was of so much importance that their decisions were awaited with uneasiness in virginia in spite of the support of such men as washington and madison the sentiment for and against the constitution was fairly evenly divided and the opposition numbered in its ranks other names of almost equal influence such as patrick henry and george mason feeling ran high the contest was a bitter one and even after the elections had been held and the convention had opened early in june the decision was in doubt and remained in doubt until the very end the situation was in one respect at least similar to that which had existed in massachusetts in that it was possible to get a substantial majority in favor of the constitution provided certain amendments were made the same arguments were used strengthened on the one side by what other states had done and on the other side by the plea that now was the time to hold out for amendments the example of massachusetts however seems to have been decisive and on the twenty fifth of june four days later than new hampshire the virginia convention voted to ratify under the conviction that whatsoever imperfections may exist in the constitution ought rather to be examined in the mode prescribed therein than to bring the union into danger by delay with the hope of obtaining amendments previous to the ratification when the new york convention began its sessions on the seventeenth of june it is said that more than two-thirds of the delegates were anti-federalist in sentiment how a majority in favor of the constitution was obtained has never been adequately explained 
but it is certain that the main credit for the achievement belongs to alexander hamilton he had early realized how greatly it would help the prospects of the constitution if thinking people could be brought to an appreciation of the importance and value of the new form of government in order to reach the intelligent public everywhere but particularly in new york he projected a series of essays which should be published in the newspapers setting forth the aims and purposes of the constitution he secured the assistance of madison and jay and before the end of october seventeen eighty seven published the first essay in the independent gazetteer from that time on these papers continued to be printed over the signature of publius sometimes as many as three or four in a week there were eighty-five numbers altogether which have ever since been known as the federalist of these approximately fifty were the work of hamilton madison wrote about thirty and j five although the essays were widely copied in other journals and formed for us the most important commentary on the constitution making what is regarded as one of america's greatest books it is doubtful how much immediate influence they had certainly in the new york convention itself hamilton's personal influence was a stronger force his arguments were both eloquent and cogent and met every objection and his efforts to win over the opposition were unremitting the news which came by express writers from new hampshire and then from virginia were also deciding factors for new york could not afford to remain out of the new union if it was to embrace states on either side and yet the debate continued as the opposition was putting forth every effort to make ratification conditional upon certain amendments being adopted but hamilton resolutely refused to make any concessions and at length was successful in persuading the new york convention by a vote of thirty against twenty-seven on the twenty-sixth of july to follow the example of massachusetts and virginia and to ratify the constitution with merely a recommendation of future amendments the satisfaction of the country at the outcome of the long and momentous struggle over the adoption of the new government was unmistakable even before the action of new york had been taken the fourth of july was made the occasion for a great celebration throughout the united states both as the anniversary of independence and as the consummation of the union by the adoption of the constitution the general rejoicing was somewhat tempered however by the reluctance of north carolina and rhode island to come under the new roof had the convention been met on the twenty first of july in north carolina reached a vote it would probably have defeated the constitution but it was doubtless restrained by the action of new york and adjourned without coming to a decision a second convention was called in september seventeen eighty nine and in the meantime the new government had come into operation and was bringing pressure to bear upon the recalcitrant states which refused to abandon the old union for the new one of the earliest acts passed by congress was a revenue act levying duties upon foreign goods imported which were made specifically to apply to imports from rhode island and north carolina this was sufficient for north carolina and on november twenty one seventeen eighty nine the convention ratified the constitution but rhode island still held out the convention of that state was finally called to meet in march seventeen ninety but accomplished nothing and avoided a decision by adjourning until may the federal government then proceeded to threaten drastic measures by taking up a bill which authorized the president to suspend all commercial intercourse with rhode island and to demand of that state the payment of its share of the federal debt the bill passed the senate but stopped there for the state gave in and ratified the constitution on the twenty ninth of may two weeks later ellsworth who was now united states senator from connecticut wrote that rhode island had been brought into the union and by a pretty cold measure in congress which would have exposed me to some censure had it not produced the effect which i expected it would and which in fact it has done but all is well that ends well 
the constitution is now adopted by all the states and i have much satisfaction and perhaps some vanity in seeing at length a great work finished for which i have long laboured incessantly perhaps the most striking feature of these conventions is the trivial character of the objections that were raised some of the arguments it is true went to the very heart of the matter and considered the fundamental principles of government it is possible to tolerate and even to sympathize with a man who declared among other deformities the constitution has an awful squinting it squints toward monarchy your president may easily become a king if your american chief be a man of ambition and ability how easy it is for him to render himself absolute we shall have a king the army will salute him monarch but it is hard to take seriously a delegate who asked permission to make a short apostrophe to liberty and then delivered himself of this bathos o liberty thou greatest good thou fairest property with thee i wish to live with thee i wish to die pardon me if i drop a tear on the peril to which she is exposed i cannot sir see this brightest of jewels tarnished a jewel worth ten thousand worlds and shall we part with it so soon oh no there might be some reason in objecting to the excessive power vested in congress but what is one to think of the fear that imagined the greatest point of danger to lie in the ten miles square which later became the district of columbia because the government might erect a fortified stronghold which would be invincible again in the light of subsequent events it is laughable to find many protesting that although each house was required to keep a journal of proceedings it was only required from time to time to publish the same excepting such parts as may in their judgment require secrecy all sorts of personal charges were made against those who were responsible for the framing of the constitution hopkinson wrote to jefferson in april seventeen eighty eight you will be surprised when i tell you that our public newspapers have announced general washington to be a fool influenced and led by that knave dr franklin who is a public defaulter for millions of dollars that mr morris has defrauded the public out of as many millions as you please and that they are to cover their frauds by this new government all things considered it is difficult to avoid the conclusion that such critics and detractors were trying to find excuses for their opposition the majorities in the various conventions can hardly be said really to represent the people of their states for only a small percentage of the people had voted in electing them they were representative rather of the propertied upper class this circumstance has given rise to the charge that the constitution was framed and adopted by men who were interested in the protection of property in the maintenance of the value of government securities and in the payment of debts which had been incurred by the individual states in the course of the revolution property holders were unquestionably assisted by the mere establishment of a strong government the creditor class seemed to require some special provision and when the powers of congress were under consideration in the federal convention several of the members argued strongly for a positive injunction on congress to assume obligations of the states the chief objection to this procedure seemed to be based upon the fear of benefiting speculators rather than the legitimate creditors and the matter was finally compromised by providing that all debts should be as valid against the united states under this constitution as under the confederation the charge that the constitution was framed and its adoption obtained by men of property and wealth is undoubtedly true but it is a mistake to attribute unworthy motives to them the upper classes in the united states were generally people of wealth and so would be the natural holders of government securities they were undoubtedly acting in self-protection but the responsibility rested upon them to take the lead they were acting indeed for the public interest in the largest sense for conditions in the united states were such that every man might become a landowner and the people in general therefore wished to have property rights protected in the autumn of seventeen eighty eight the congress of the old confederation made 
testamentary provision for its heir by voting that presidential electors should be chosen on the first wednesday in january seventeen eighty nine that these electors should meet and cast their votes for president on the first wednesday in february and that the senate and house of representatives should assemble on the first wednesday in march it was also decided that the seat of government should be in the city of new york until otherwise ordered by congress in accordance with this procedure the requisite elections were held and the new government was duly installed it happened in seventeen eighty nine that the first wednesday march was the fourth day of that month which thereby became the date for the beginning of each subsequent administration the acid test of efficiency was still to be applied to the new machinery of government but americans then as now were an adaptable people with political genius and they would have been able to make almost any form of government succeed if the federal convention had never met there is good reason for believing that the articles of confederation with some amendments would have been made to work the success of the new government was therefore in a large measure dependent upon the favor of the people if they wished to do so they could make it win out in spite of obstacles in other words the new government would succeed exactly to the extent to which the people stood back of it this was the critical moment when the slowly growing prosperity described at length and emphasized in the previous chapters produced one of its most important effects in june seventeen eighty eight washington wrote to lafayette i expect that many blessings will be attributed to our new government which are now taking their rise from that industry and frugality into the practice of which the people have been forced from necessity i really believe that there never was so much labor and economy to be found before in the country as at the present moment if they persist in the habits they are acquiring the good effects will soon be distinguishable when the people shall find themselves secure under an energetic government when foreign nations shall be disposed to give us equal advantages in commerce from dread of retaliation when the burdens of the war shall be in a manner done away by the sale of western lands when the seeds of happiness which are sown here shall begin to expand themselves and when every one under his own vine and fig tree shall begin to taste the fruits of freedom then all these blessings for all these blessings will come will be referred to the fostering influence of the new government whereas many causes will have conspired to produce them a few months later a similar opinion was expressed by crevecoeur in writing to jefferson never was so great a change in the opinion of the best people as has happened these five years almost everybody feels the necessity of coercive laws government union industry and labor the exports of this country have singularly increased within these two years and the imports have decreased in proportion the new federal government was fortunate in beginning its career at the moment when returning prosperity was predisposing the people to think well of it the inauguration of washington marked the opening of a new era for the people of the united states of america end of chapter eight end of the fathers of the constitution by max ferrand